about those kind of symptoms, but I, I can see those symptoms in, in young 20 and 30 year old clients sometimes. And that, that's really a kind of a product of, of ongoing stresses rather than particularly at the menopause. But the fact that they're very, very similar uh, could lend itself to the, the aspects of stress physiology. Mm. Uh, and I, I certainly think most of those things like the hot flashes, insomnia, uh, 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 and even kind of increases in estrogen uh, can generally be mediated or, 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 or lost or suppressed or uh, not experienced when there are adequate um, compounds, minerals, vitamins in, in the diet that can, can offset those. Welcome to the Win at Life podcast, a place where we share everything you need to know about restoring your metabolism so you can break free from restrictive diets and build a body and life you love. I'm Kitty Bloomfield, co-founder and CEO of New Strength and your host for today's episode. I'm really excited about today's guest. And if you've been following me for a while, you'll know him as Tomo Littlewood. Tomo has his master's in endocrinology and works with people to improve their energy, pain, digestion, hormonal imbalances, and fertility. He's so super knowledgeable and just an all-round good guy. He lives in Dubai with his wife and he has three kids, but was born and bred in the UK. In today's episode, we talk about some of the common misconceptions around what hormone actually causes menopausal symptoms in women and why HRT may not be the best option. We also discuss what diet and lifestyle changes you can implement to improve these issues without hormone replacement. I just love this interview so much, and I know you will too. As always, take a screenshot and share your biggest takeaways on Instagram stories and tag me at K-I-T-T-Y-B-L-O-M-F-I-E-L-D. Before we get into this podcast, I wanted to let you know about a special offer we're running this week. We've opened our Break Free Basics program for enrollments, and to celebrate hitting 30K followers on Instagram, we're taking $30 off the cost which means that you get lifetime access to this amazing program for just $49. This special is only running till Sunday, the 30th of August. So if you're new to following me or you've been following me for a while and you're ready to jump in, it's the perfect way to get started. You get meal plans, our famous fucking easy food prep recipe book, two full training programs with a full video exercise library, our metabolic health assessment, educational videos on digestion, hormones, mindset, and training, as well as all my supplement protocol videos with Emma Skorakis, the nutrition coach. You get discounts off my favorite Saturday supplements and access to our private Break-Free Basics Facebook group. So if you're a woman who's sick and tired of doing restrictive diets to lose weight and tone up or just maintain your weight, or you're suffering from one or more of these issues, poor sleep, bloating, constipation, hormonal imbalances, erratic moods, no energy, no sex drive, binge eating or food obsession, I totally get it because I've walked in your shoes, but I know that just like me, you can break free and our break free basics program is the perfect way to get started. So you can restore your metabolism and build a body you love sustainably. All you need to do is go to kittybloomfield.com forward slash break free 30. I'll just spell that for you. K I T T Y B L O M F I E L D dot C O M forward slash B R E A K free f-r-e-e 30 and grab your spot today and i'll see you in the program hey everybody and uh welcome back to another episode um and i've got the uh, awesome tomo littlewood his real name is keith he lives in dubai three kids you know he's been wanting to kill them because He's had four months off of homeschooling. I do feel for all the parents out there. I obviously don't have any kids, just Craig and um, 
Craig and, and Winston, but today I just wanted to, you know, we wanted to talk about menopause and menopausal issues and those terrible night sweats and the weight gain and the insomnia and all the horrible things that women um, go through when they hit menopause or perimenopause. And, you know, we get a lot of women in our program um, that have these issues. And I was actually talking to a friend of mine and saying that my mum, her sister died about 10 years ago. And at the time she was going through menopause and my mum's diet isn't very good. And she drinks a lot of booze and like she had the insomnia and she actually ended up going into a mental institution because she wasn't sleeping. And obviously then the stress of the, um, the sister's death. And, you know, I look back now and I think, Oh my God, knowing what I know now, I wish I knew that back then. Cause I probably could have helped her um, more. And it just watching her go through that menopause, you know, she, she she didn't have to have to go through that and i think if you're a woman and you're watching this and you know you're getting any of those menopausal symptoms or perimenopausal symptoms it's not normal <laughs> you know and don't let the doctors tell you that it's normal and you should just expect it and you need to go on hrt because you should just go through menopause hey keith and like not get night sweats and insomnia and heaps of weight gain it should just happen right well, I mean, I, you talk about those kind of symptoms, but I, I can see those symptoms in, in young 20 and 30-year-old clients sometimes. And that, that's really a kind of a product of, of ongoing stresses rather mm. than particularly at the menopause. But the fact that they're very, very similar uh, could lend itself to the, the aspects of stress physiology. Mm. Uh, and I, I certainly think most of those things like the hot flashes, insomnia, uh, 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 and even kind of increases in estrogen uh, can generally be mediated or, or, or lost or suppressed or kind of, uh, not experienced when there are adequate um, compounds, minerals, vitamins in, in the diet that can, can offset those. Um, I certainly think that the misconception that estrogen is lost at menopause seems still to be one of the most... I was going to say that. Um, Why is yeah. that thing? Because we get a lot of women come in and go, oh, yeah, but Kitty, I've, you know, I've been to the doctor... And they're saying that my estrogen is really low and that I need to take estrogen and that's going to fix, fix it. Why is that, do you think? Well, it's the common theme. I think it comes from the, the misinformation um, and, and also integration with the, with the studies of HRT because HRT, the, the premise was it that over a decade, let's say over the last 50, 60 years, it was always assumed that estrogen uh, was the cardioprotective factor that because women tended to live longer than men. Um, well, you could you could argue that a couple of reasons, uh, is that um, it typically in, in modern Westernized cultures, and I don't mean to get shot here by by um, uh, women for saying this, but perhaps when a lot of a lot of guys were doing out more physical work, longer days, stress is involved in more pollutants and stuff. And the typical role of females at, at, at home, not saying the work was any less hard, but perhaps the stresses that, 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 that the man was experiencing from a, a pollutant load, working down the coal mines, working on other factors, many other things that suggested that guys tended to die much earlier. And one of the things that was also uh, banded around is because East women have much more estrogen than men. Ergo, that must be the cardioprotective compound. So there are many things that might be driving why women were living uh, you know, potentially longer than men. Um, and so with that, a lots of studies and money was spent on looking at the replacement of estrogen. Mm. Nobody was really thinking about what happened to progesterone. Uh, and remember that progesterone 
Um, there are a lot of misconceptions around progesterone. Now, it should come, it should come as any surprise that w- when a woman is able to get pregnant and maintain that pregnancy, mm. that a large uh, part of that is from having enough thyroid available and enough progesterone available. There's mm. a reason why it's called progesterone because it's progestational. It supports um, a healthy fetus, enough oxygen getting uh, via the placenta, and all of the other organizational aspects that progesterone does. Estrogen is an essential hormone. We do need it. But it, one of the primary reasons during pregnancy why women tend to miscarry is because of high estrogen levels in that first trimester. Mm. So unfortunately, the focus was on placed upon estrogen without looking uh, uh, as much at progesterone. Now, let's assume that as you approach menopause, that your ovaries are starting to decline in function. Why is it just looking at the aspects of what estrogen does rather than the other hormones that are produced in the, in the ovaries as well, which also can produce DHEA, can produce aspects of t- small amounts of testosterone as well, and it can produce progesterone, which is this very, very protective hormone. Now, bearing in mind that during the uh, uh, menstrual cycle, the follicular phase, uh, estrogen is ever increasing. Now, progesterone's primary role is bubbling under the surface and making sure that estrogen doesn't do too much. And one of the kind of checks and balances it has in the luteal phase, and then when the corpus luteum is being produced, is that uh, progesterone inhibits the the, uh, effects of uh, estrogen, which is basically building more tissue, getting the uterus ready. And if that goes unchecked, that's why estrogen becomes a problem. We've seen the things like endometriosis, polycystic ovaries, which we talked about before. Um, So understanding that the loss of progesterone can have such a significant effect on a female's physiology tends to be lost because there's been so much research done on the role of synthetic estrogens and primarily from HRT. Now, there's hundreds of millions and perhaps billions of dollars of industry, uh, pharmaceutical industry work done on promoting this pro-estrogen effect of why women should be taking it at the onset of menopause. Yet one of the the, the real big misunderstandings is that estrogen is often not low at menopause. If you have any amount of adipose tissue on you, you are able to produce estrogen by converting other hormones like testosterone by aromatase. So if you're looking at just someone's blood test, for example, one, you may find that, and some studies have shown just from a blood test that estrogen is not low. Some other studies have shown it is low, but if you're looking at estrogen just from a blood perspective or biochemistry perspective, this can be problematic because it doesn't always show up in the blood. Estrogen is well known to sink in tissues. We have uh, other structures in the brain like the pituitary, which is very responsive to estrogen. So if you look at something like prolactin, now prolactin is that hormone that you tend to produce uh, when women are lactating and producing uh, milk for their babies. But it's one of those hormones that's really easily promoted by estrogen. So when, the, you, when you do start to produce prolactin, it's usually estrogen that's stimulating the pituitary as well to produce more prolactin. And when we get more environmental stress, the estrogen is really uh, uh, ramped up and really stimulates the, the pituitary and we see more prolactin being produced. This is why prolactinomas as one of the most common pituitary tumors that tend to be found. So looking at what the pituitary is doing, looking at what prolactin is doing, is probably a really useful indicator window of what 
the actual levels of estrogen are as well. You can also look at the levels of aromatase being produced. You can look at uh, other aspects like thyroid hormone as well and um, available energy. So me menopause will tend to um, show itself with this kind of loss of progesterone effect. So I don't know about you, but many females who start taking progesterone actually start sleeping really, really well. Mm. Uh, and that should lend itself to why progesterone actually enhances sleep because it doesn't have the dysregulatory effects that estrogen does. And we know that estrogen can um, have some very detrimental effects to our aerobic physiology. Mm. So our aerobic physiology is typically the system that's, that's quite complex and advanced, but uses oxygen and primarily with carbohydrates and fats. Now, if there are higher level, levels of estrogen, which can occur during menopause, the ability to use carbohydrates efficiently can be also diminished as well. Mm. So these night sweats can, can come from a number of sources. One is the adrenal glands trying to kick in to produce more progesterone. There might be increases of estrogen, which also increase levels of nitric oxide, which will flush the system as well, and kind of give this kind of hot flush effect as well. And also if they're in a low energy state and not consuming enough carbohydrates, uh, because you know, middle-aged and uh, menopausal aged women can be just as prone to not eating enough during the day as our kind of younger teenage counterparts that we talked about that were more prone to PCOS. This can be a factor of why these kind of high hot flash states, insomnia uh, uh, and, and low energy states persist. Mm. Um, and, you know, now that you know, women are probably listening, going, okay, cool, all right, so excess estrogen, high estrogen is the cause of these menopausal symptoms. So let's talk about what causes you to become estrogen dominant. Um, I mean, yeah, a lot of the women that come to us, the dieting, the low calorie dieting, low energy. Let's talk about that. Yeah, and also another thing that tends to go hand in hand with the low energy state is high boost consumption as well. Yes, um, I was going to say, that's a, that's yeah. a big, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and, and so alcohol does have this phytoestrogen effect. It's a bit like soy, mm. um, and some people say that soy is that harmful to health, but what the long-term studies show that permanent soy consumption has this very subtle effect of increasing estrogen levels over time. Mm. So bring that to alcohol. You keep kind of consuming your boozes like your wines and your beers and some of the other spirits. It will have a stimulatory effect that increases estrogen levels over time. Mm. That's why, you know, um, one of the, the symptoms of high estrogen are these kind of puffy water retentive states, edemas like, uh, like states that increase the, the amount of water that's held within the cells. Uh, and that's why I think estrogen was previously promoted as um, good for skin because what it actually did was absorb loads of water into it and made you look slightly more plumper and radiant. But it was part of the, that accumulation of water in tissues. But if we bring it back to, to the diet is that if you are in a low energy state, for example, or you're going through these Weight Watchers, uh, very high kind of, uh, you know, uh, uncooked vegetables, nuts, seeds, salads, not enough protein within the diet, not enough carbohydrates within the diet. This will lend itself to decreased detoxification of estrogen uh, uh, and, and, and metabolizing of estrogen. So this state also lends itself to, to, the, to the suppressed state of progesterone production. Because when you're in a low energy state, let's say, uh, you're, you know, one of the common things is uh, perhaps going to train on an empty stomach in a fasted mm. state. Mm. This will increase 
the ability to produce more estrogen and suppress, uh, say, the organizational aspects of progesterone. Mm. So if you're in a stress state of not eating enough foods or eating foods that suppress thyroid physiology or eating foods that increase the amount of estrogen that you're consuming, you're in a high polluted area, you're in a low energy state, all of these things can marry up to increased estrogen levels within the system that aren't adequately taken out of the system. Mm. Plus they have the, the suppressive effects of suppressing thyroid physiology Mm. Uh, and suppressing progesterone physiology and also things like the cumulative effects of the unsaturated fatty acids mm. which i was really interestingly enough there's quite a few uh, lot of studies from the 80s and 90s not so many done these days but the unsaturated fats actually suppress the formation and production of the thyroid hormone receptor that mm. our uh, thyroid hormone T3, the active form, actually binds to. So you get decreased thyroid function at the receptor level, as well as all the other kind of uh, other effects that are related to the kind of the, the DNA transcription, your genomic effects, and the, the more energy uh, aspects of, of thyroid physiology or the non-genomic effects. So it tends to be a double whammy of low energy, environmental stimulus. I mean, and you can apply that to literally anything, whether it's kind of, you know, low testosterone in guys, it's part of that uh, environmental stimulus of stress, low energy states, environmental compounds that might lower that. And that, uh, just being at the menopause is just the double whammy of where you've got declining physiology of ovarian production of the, the steroids and uh, steroidal hormones like progesterone, which tends to be more protective. It's really interesting, you know, like women come into the program and you sort of start to talk about all these things that cause, cause excess estrogen. So like, and, and I used to do all of these things and that's why I, ha I had all the issues with my menstrual cycle, but you know, drinking most most, a lot of women drink too much, you know, they're eating the low calorie, low sugar, low dairy, um, uh, diets, they're really stressed out, you know, they're not eating things like liver, you know, which is used to make their protective steroid hormones, progesterone, which opposes the estrogen, you know, they're exercising yep. excessively, which further depletes um, progesterone and just increases that stress in the body, the green vegetables, the nuts, the seeds. So all of these things that are suppressing thyroid function. So it's sort of like, they look at it and I remember when I was working with Emma initially, I was like, holy shit, like every single thing that I'm doing is contributing towards, you know, this excess estrogen, estrogen state and the low thyroid. And it's just like it, all these light bulbs um, go off. But, you know, I, I mean, obviously probably not, you don't think you're drinking to be healthy, but you're thinking that you're doing cutting sugar and cutting dairy and you're doing all this healthy stuff with, act, with actually, in fact, is the, um, the opposite. And, you know, then women just end up fat and miserable and they're tired and, you know, and then I think it's just this vicious cycle of they get stuck in this, oh, I hate my body, I'm fat all right, I'm going to jump on the next quick fix diet. They lose a bit of weight. Then they just can't, you know, stick to it anymore. Then they binge and they drink and they're just stuck in this cycle of perpetuating, you know, that's like that estrogen just gets worse and worse. And it's like, you just got to get off, get off that yo-yo diet train, you know? <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, and you know, don't underestimate the effects of kind of consuming like kind of a glass of wine a night and then mm. perhaps about a hard week and then let it rip at the weekend as, so, you mm. know, because uh, I think you, you talked about, you know, 2000 calories, you can't underestimate the effect of dr drinking lots of booze and how much calories that can increase. So there is like a fine line of getting the calorie intake just about right. Mm. But then you know that when you start 
dropping below substantially below those and particularly below the 1500 mark for some it's just a it's just a you know one-way train to further suppression you know that the energy can't function properly you know you can't sleep and that's because the brain uses just as much glucose in the as in the waking state when it's sleeping so you know getting the energy right so you can sleep right will help you to get everything right but it's like you know as soon as that goes out the window and you start kind of going from pillar to post with different things you, like we talked about before you need to have some consistency with what you're doing mm. and that that comes from understanding what are the influences that increase estrogen uh, accumulation within tissues um how you can adequately kind of detoxify it, how you can improve, um, you know, the production of progesterone. And, and, you know, once you start to kind of get those little baby steps, you start to no notice things tend to, to steamroll as it were. Mm. And let's to finish off, talk about a, a, just a few, you know, easy things that women can do to improve their menopausal symptoms. So I think one is our beloved, well, not ours, Ray Pete's carrot salad, the old carrot yep. salad, two grated carrots with uh, coconut oil, salt and vinegar. And you sometimes like to put a bit of garlic in yours, hey? I, I use that for anti-parasite. Anti if I feel I've picked up something whilst camping or mm. eating out at kind of dubious restaurants, uh, I can tell quite... I've tested myself dozens of times with parasites and always found something. And I just find that a raw garlic helps to get rid of any unwanted critters. Don't, I don't think, don't forget the effects of boiled mushrooms um, mm, for depressing uh, estrogen and decreasing mm. aromatase. I think magnesium is, is really, really useful because it has a pro-thyroid, uh, also uh, pro-function effect, particularly on, on, on how cells function as well. Mm. decreases the excitatory nature of what estrogen can do which is what estrogen does it increases the excitability of cells allows more um sodium to 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 perhaps enter enter the cell and makes it more excitable and calcium as well sometimes um so i think those things are useful i think supplemental progesterone has always worked really really well with mm. uh, menopausal clients and certainly uh uh, decrease substantially any night sweats provided they have enough energy available and and, and sorted the sleep out mm. uh, so adequate energy going in is particularly important um, cut the booze uh, down <laughs> cut the old booze down i think i i mean i always say to women if they've got really bad hormonal issues or i'm like just cut it out for a period of time it's not like you can't yeah, not yeah. drink forever but just give your yeah. body some time you know um, without it and and i always see that anyone who does that gets improves a lot quicker yeah, you also find that weight tends to drop um, reasonably well when you cut booze out. You know, you don't forget, you know, as I said, we talked about this, you kind of let rip at the weekend where you had a really stressful week. By the time you've polished off a bottle of wine, not only is the estrogen levels quite high, you're kind of, you've, you've, you've taken on a lot of extra excess calories throughout that, that night where the next day your body's kind of feeling, feeling the effects of the, the high estrogen not so much the calories, there's nothing wrong with it, taking on a few more calories every now and then. But if you're expecting kind of, uh, you know, your ability to regulate estrogen and weight as being a product of what you're doing each week, having that blowout, big blowout every week, and then kind of your body taking two or three days to recover from it, you need the consistency of cutting booze out to get that effect, I think. Oh, totally. And look, you know, like, I also find too is when you actually eat enough and balance your blood sugar, like I don't really, I don't crave alcohol anymore. Like I used to really crave it because my blood sugar was so low. And when I 
and this is actually, this is sort of funny, but not funny. Um, but when I used to be a real piss head, like before I started, you know, found Ray and Emma and all this, and I used to just drink heaps of alcohol, I'd always try and drink on an empty stomach and then not eat because as soon as I ate a big meal, I wouldn't really feel like drinking anymore. <laughs> so yeah. like, and we'd always be yeah. like, oh, eating's cheating, you know? Um, so I think, you know, if you, <laughs> just eat a bit more, balance your blood sugar. And if you want, when you get home, you're still, you're feeling stressed, you're not going to, you know, I don't think as much feel like drinking. Yeah, I, I, the thing is, I think people will gravitate towards booze is one because it has this kind of a slightly, obviously, euphoric effect. But people with a low thyroid state will enjoy that kind of rush of carbs to the liver. But obviously, you'll end up getting the, the big crashes with that sometimes. And that's why eating, if you're ever drinking any alcohol, can have much, uh, you know, help to lessen the effects of it. But it's kind of also why people tend to gravitate towards alcohol during those kind of darker months. It's kind of a, a pick me up from a carb perspective uh, and from a mood perspective. So if you are kind of someone who are who is having trouble with kind of high estrogen levels and you're kind of easily prompted to reach for the, for the glass of vino, there's a reason for why that's happening. And mm. if you can get on top of that, it can put you in a much better state for managing estrogen levels, thyroid levels. Um, uh, and, and promoting better energy regulation. Mm, I totally agree. Um, so we talked about carrot side mushroom baby shoots, lowering booze, getting enough energy in, you know, not being afraid of sugar and fruit, you know, stop cutting sugar out of the diet. Dairy, you know, get for the calcium is important. Yep. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. Like you said, vitamin A is very, very useful. Oh, liver. Pregnenolone. Um, pregnenolone will give you your kind of uh, base for the other hormones, particularly progesterone, DHEA, mm. um, where needed. So, you know, there's not, you know, assuming if you are ever in that state of low estrogen, which isn't impossible, it's mm. possible that some females do have that, you know, usually having enough pregnenolone available uh, and vitamin A mm. uh, can, can help to, to remedy what's actually needed. Mm, I think too, you know, like it's one thing I've done really consistently since I started this is every week, the liver, every week, liver and oysters. So if you can't, if you don't like liver or you don't want to make pate or you can't get fresh liver, you know, take the eight saturated liver capsules, you know, they're really easy and you can, and you know, there's probably is too some merit in taking the B vitamins every day, you know, yeah. like having that regular, cause obviously your body doesn't store them. You know, it's a water-soluble vitamin, not like a like vitamin A. So, you know, just get that liver in however you can. Your body will thank you for it. Lower stress. You know, yeah. stress is a huge one. You, you, for the food is key and it's the foundation. But if you're just, you know, constantly stressed with work and, you know, external stuff, that's going to have an effect. You know, like we talked about the toxins, the chemicals that are around you in your house, that your skin care, things that you're yeah, breathing. Another one. Mm. Breathing. So retention of carbon dioxide can be particularly effective just for uh, promoting uh, more balanced physiology. Typically, if you're prone to hyperventilating, which some females are, it can lead to something called a respiratory alkalosis where you've wasted all your carbon dioxide. So mm. when that happens, you aren't able to dissociate oxygen from hemoglobin. And mm. it's that ability to utilize oxygen that is the calming system. And mm. that actually comes by having adequate carbon dioxide available. So whether you're doing something like a bag breathing to breathe in more carbon dioxide or something like if you take a kind of uh, calm breathing strategy of like a five second breath in, five second hold, five second release, this has a really good effect of just calming the nervous system down. Mm. And if you're prone to battering yourself in the gym, not doing lots of breathless exercise, 
doing lots of long bouts of cardio where you're constantly mouth breathing, you're often wasting a lot of carbon dioxide as well. So doing some carbon dioxide retention work can help just to calm the system down, make the metabolism work more efficiently, make mm. your system feel calm. Because as if you don't, have, if your carbon dioxide is constantly being wasted, this uh, this ability to utilize oxygen efficiently is also diminished. Mm. Um, yeah. Oh, and sun. Get sun. And vitamin D yeah. is so important as well. Try and get out every day and get some sunlight. I think a lot of people, I mean, I'm pretty lucky you're, you get, there's lots of sun in Dubai. Um, what's it like in the UK? Pretty. Uh, it's always mixed. It's always mixed. I missed, I missed the UK weather. I miss winter. Do I miss the rain in the summer. Yeah, I miss it all. Uh, I'm oh. actually kind of fed up of the permanent sun all year round and the heat. I think that's yeah. a good sign of physiology. If I want to go to cold weather, I think yeah. that's a really good sign. A lot well, of people think, want to emigrate, right? To hotter countries all the time. Well, I think though the Dubai is, you know, I've lived in Dubai too. It's like the extreme, you know, like it's, and then the UK is the other way. But if you're lucky enough to live in Queensland, it's pretty amazing all year round. You get the nice, cold, coolish winter, but it's not, he's like, shut up, kitty. We don't want to hear about your awesome, your awesome Queensland. But um, there you go, ladies. That's menopause. And, you know, don't, oh, actually, quickly to finish off, talk quickly about HRT. And why just having, taking more estrogen? Because some women will say to me, oh, yeah, but I took the HRT and I took the estrogen and it's, it, my symptoms has improved. And it's some, it will mask the symptoms. It doesn't actually fix things. So let's talk about what the problem is with HRT and why. Well, yeah, it's, you have to look at the long-term downstream effects of taking mm-hmm. HRT. And there are certainly plenty of studies that show that uh, breast tissue is enhanced. Estrogen can increase fibrosis. And that's why they're linked with breast cancer are, are real and well documented. Mm. The other things as well is that estrogen can, what you've got to look at is the effects. And I've seen many clients that have been given HRT and mm. fibroids and endometriosis has got worse. Uh, and this is because of the stimulatory growth effects of estrogen. Remember mm. estrogen is a growth hormone. It's, uh, it's, its role is to increase tissue and to proliferate tissue. Estrogen is also involved in healing. So if you cut yourself, for example, it's part of creating the, the new tissue that binds together. There is a need for estrogen, but often it's, all, it's already excessive as well. So sometimes the HRT these days is more of a combination with a progestin. I know there are elements of the progestin that can have a best beneficial effect, but there are still negative effects of the progestin that can drive the same responses of estrogen. So I think you have to look at it over the time. What are the responses to thyroid hormone? We know external source of estrogen can in- decrease the amount of uh, thyroid hormone availability, mm-hmm. increases sex hormone binding globulin. Um, it will suppress um, uh, other aspects of, of thyroid binding proteins. So, you know, it, it's, it's understanding what this is doing long-term. Any small interventions to someone can have a, a beneficial effect because their system has been changed but it can also be dysregulatory over time. So there's beneficial effects. Are they lasting the years that we, we need them to? And I think when you're increasing estrogen and there's an abundance of environmental estrogens, there's plenty of in our food sources, um, you need to be wary of what that's doing because if it's increasing more fibrosis of breast tissue, uh, it's stimulating some of the uh, immune responses, the autoimmune responses, uh, antibodies will be increased when there's potential damage being increased by estrogens and hence why uh, these kind of autoimmune-like states persist. Mm. Um, and also what are the stimulatory effects on ovarian, uterine uh, tissues? Um, and, and it's well documented that 
progesterone is the ultimate endometrial protector an ultimate ovarian protector there's not that you know you have to look at all the studies that give you a good overview of what's going on from a protective organizational perspective Mm -hmm. awesome well thanks so much um keith it's always uh, great to catch up and, and chat to you so hopefully for any women that are listening to this and are, um you know going through menopause there's some things to think about and things that you can um you know implement to obviously improve prove that so you can feel better and then you know get the weight off and uh and keep the weight off so um thanks again keith and we'll see you soon